listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A team follow. Doyle branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Oh, shot. Oh, Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slam Jamma presented by Apollo Media on Houston our Original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Anes, and I've covered UH Athletics for the past two seasons for the Daily Cougar, transitioning into my third year covering UH Athletics, now transitioning here for Apollo Media. You can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore, and we have a jam-packed show. It's game week, Aon. It's game week. I toss it over to you. Introduce yourself. And it's game week. It's game week. What's up with it? I'm Dayon Dunlap. Be sure to follow your official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Down, we've mentioned it finally for the first time since Christmas Eve back in 2020 that we all want to forget that year. The University of Houston football team will play on Saturday. It couldn't get any bigger at NRG Stadium for the Texas kickoff against, you know, interstate rival Texas Tech Big 12. Big 12. Before we, we got a jam-packed show, we're going to talk a little bit about the UH offense, Dana Hogerson. We got clips from Hogerson. I'll talk a little bit about basically with Tune and, and where the offense is kind of at heading into Saturday's game. We'll talk a little bit about the defense. But real quickly, Dayon, just quick, brief thought. What, what it, It's game day. What do, you, what do you have to say about Saturday? Man, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to see – um, the Cougars take the field for you know a regular season. I'm anxious to see the type of product that they put out on the field. Will it be different, or will it be like the last couple years as, as it's been? And so, but I'm feeling good about it. I think I think this is the year that we're going to turn that corner. We have a favorable a favorable schedule, and um, we have a formidable opponent, Texas Tech. Man, it's a formidable opponent, and. I think it's going to be a good test for us. It's probably the best team we're going to play probably by um, since, the, you know, they're in the Big 12. And so I'm excited. How about you? How are you feeling? It's game week. Um, it's been a long time since we've um, had like college football, especially a start for UH. How we yeah. kept pushed back and pushed back last year. How, how are you feeling? For sure, nothing like last season where, honestly, at this point, we were, we were still kind of, not sure when the season would start. Obviously, the first six games, or they had six different games between the beginning of September all the way into October, just had canceled or, or postponed due to, to COVID. And finally, it, they'll start on time. Like you mentioned, a big-time opponent, the Texas Tech. Every time there's an interstate rivalry, it's always big, especially when you add, not like you mentioned, this seems to be the year where – it's favorable for them to finally turn the corner under Dana Holgerson, but not just that, but just everything that's in the air in terms of a conference realignment. And today the big 12 released a statement where they, they said that their eight schools are staying packed. They're 
their goal is to strengthen the conference to stay as a power five school. So Houston, not only is trying to win, obviously every year you want to win and get to a bowl game and, and be as successful as you can, but there are a lot of other factors to play into this season, not just the big 12, but they decide to expand, but even other conferences in order for Houston to, to finally get into that power five program. They got to have a power five football team and it starts this season, like you mentioned, but I mean, the excitement is all over the place, not only for us, but also for the players. Uh, I mean, Clayton, too, you were at the availability that they had on Tuesday where I'll start with the comments that Clayton Toon said just in terms of, I mean, Texas Tech, someone asked him how he is about this game. It's awesome. It's really exciting. But what stood out to me was Toon, he was asked about last year where kind of the UH offense was, had notoriously bad starts um, to start games all throughout last season, especially you know, against Tulane. They got on to a 24 all hole deficit against the Tulane we managed to come back and win that game. But that, that was a big issue for them for much of the season. That's something that he said is a point of emphasis for them to start games this year. Dayon, what were your takeaways from that player availability on Tuesday and, and mainly from Clayton Toon? I mean, he sounded like a veteran. That's what I really, what I took away from him. He sounded like someone who's who's been here of couple years and really who has matured. Um, he's been here um, for a while now, and I think this is the year. This is um, no question to make a break year for him as far as what's it going to be. Are you, are you or can you take UH to the next level? To I mean, it starts with quarterback play. And so I think he can. I think he understands the system. He's comfortable in the system. He's put the work in. I think he's confident. Um, I think he's confident. I heard confident from what he said, and he knows what he has to do, and I think he trusts the talent around him. And that's what he has to do. Just simple dump off pass and let his running back to playmakers um, make those five yard catches to 10 and 15 yards and stuff like that. And so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I think I think Clayton can kind of step up to the plate. Dayon, you asked Clayton how big of a chip he has on his shoulder heading into the 2021 season. This was his response. Hey Clayton, how much, how, how big of a chip do you have on your shoulder just to kind of, just kind of prove that you are, you know, who the talent that you have, and just kind of put forth, just really just to prove yourself. Yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm a really excited to do that. The last couple of years have been kind of weird and whatever, um, and I feel like I haven't played as well as I could have and shown what I'm capable of. So um, I'm really looking forward to uh, showcasing what I can do and my true potential. So. He is looking forward to showcasing his true potential. His true potential, right. His true potential. Dan, Dan when you heard that, what, what did that signify for you? What stood out to you? I mean, it, it was short and sweet. He, he told me exactly what I wanted to hear. Uh, he he understands what he has to do in, in order to do that, to show his true potential. All the potential is there. He has the tools. There's a dual threat. Can make all the throws, smart quarterback. Now it's about putting it all together, and that's why I'm said I'm feeling good about what I heard um, from the press conference. What I heard from him was anything that stood out to you? Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, sweet to the point, and really, we'll kind of get into it with this other clip. But from his availability overall, what stood out to me about Clayton Tune was the confidence not only that he has in, in himself that he feels like this is the year. Well where he'll finally be able to put together 
a full season without as many ups and downs that he has in years past. Like like you mentioned in the past, this is the first year where Quentin Toon is a starter day one, and there is no issues. Obviously, last year he was a day one starter, but he had the first six weeks on him canceled of the right. season. And then the year Camp before was different. He, he wasn't able to get into a rhythm. And so, exactly. you know what I'm saying? So I think it, it, it's, it's different. Yeah. And then the year before that with De'Ara King, he was supposed to be a starter. Then he redshirted and and got thrown into the fire. So this is the first full year where he had a a relatively normal camp and he's heading into as the clear-cut starter. I was actually there at UNT when he made his first start that year and he had a tremendous game. It was was throwing, he was efficient, and he ran. I can't remember his stats off the bat, but that was a – that was kind of like a highlight of what he could be, the, the potential that he has. And so, uh, Clayton Toon, man, uh, I can't wait to see. Yeah, and that's something always been – that's something that's always been with Clayton Toon where, I mean, he, he shows it in flashes and he'll have good moments, something I mentioned. Like inconsistent, yeah. Exactly, something I mentioned plenty of times before, just, I mean, against BYU that first half where – he put up a good performance against Zach Wilson, and then the second half was a complete turnaround where they struggled to move the ball. But obviously, of course, the person leading that entire team, Dana Hogerson, he talked a little bit about the weapons around Clayton Toon, specifically where he, what he feels about the wide receiver group. This is Dana Hogerson on Monday speaking to reporters. Group. Uh, I, better. Um, <clears throat> it's the same. It's the same thing. What I just said about defense. We have. I just feel better about our depth. Uh, we have competition, and we have a lot of guys that have started games that you know may not get the starting nod. Um, but uh, <clears throat> but we do that. Give that gives us experience and stuff. As far as the receivers go, you know, uh, Jeremy Singleton is is healthy. He had a rough year last year with a bunch of different things go wrong. He's. He's healthy and it has been a has been a vital part of what we've done here since I've been here. Um, Tank Dell has looked good. Uh, Keyshawn Carter has looked good, and then we, you know, he, he's a you know, obviously a Texas Tech transfer, but and then you add uh, grad transfers like Jalen Irwin and Jake Herslow, um, Seth Green, guys that have played a lot of ball. Uh, that that's just made us more. It's made us more of a veteran football team. <clears throat> you know, which 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 is good. Um, you know, Seth uh, is a is a team captain. He was a team captain at his previous place. Um, you know, so um, Cody Rossi up front. I'm sure I'm going to get an O line question at some point, but he brings in three thousand five hundred snaps and was a team captain at his previous place. So that that makes us older. It makes us better. <clears throat> a couple of things talking about the receiving core, but really. Uh, once again, touching on veteran leadership, and not only that, but the tight end he mentioned, Seth Green, was someone that might be some. If you're not familiar with this roster, will be someone to keep an eye on whenever I got a chance to see the the offense practice about two three weeks ago. That was one of the targets Clayton Tune went to often and early during their drills, where they simulated a game type of atmosphere. But day on off that clip, what stood out to you? Um, yeah, a lot stood out to me, but I want to talk about Seth Green, like you just mentioned, the transfer from Minnesota, and what he had five total touchdowns. He, he he's a big target. He he's a big kid, 
And I wonder if they are going to run like two tight ends, set him with um, Tristan Trahan because he, he's really good as well. And Coach Hogers, I remember last year he talked about Trahan having next level of talent. And Seth Green, for him to be voted a captain, that says a lot, not only about him, uh, yeah, but also says the respect that he has amongst his team. And so for his team to vote him as a captain, as a grant transfer first year here, I, I think he must be a, a well mature man because – Hogerson talked about um, – he said that Seth Green said that he'll run for president, and Hogerson said that he'll vote for him. And so, um, hey, Seth Green, uh, I, I mean, but um, I, I'm expecting a, a big year from him. He's a big body to tight end. And I, I think he needs that bigger target with some of the smaller, quick uh, other receivers we have, like Tank Dell and, and Carter, the Texas Tech transfer, like he mentioned. And so I think it's going to all complement each other well. I'm sure he has the ability to line up – in a slot or maybe out wide at receiver as well. And so I just can't wait to see it. Yeah. And I, I want to transition over to the last position group on offense that we, we kind of talked about a little bit off air, but that running back position, we imagine that uh, running back number one on the depth chart for UH would be mobile car. But we mentioned, you know, it's kind of a bit of an interesting behind mobile car as to who gets the, the number two, Reps, is it Tejon Henry coming off the transfer from Texas Tech? Dan, what do you see from that running back position? Again, a little bit that we've tied in before. While Henry wasn't with the UH offense before, he's transferred over. They all have experience playing in the NCAA. That's something that this UH team, like we mentioned in the past, are kind of that veteran type of team. Yeah, and we are talking about that running back group um, off air. And we were wondering, would it be um, Tejon Henry or would it be Chandler Smith or the freshman that everybody has raved about, Austin McCaskill? And so uh, uh, with Tejon Henry, he, he's an electric player, and I think he's a good complement to Mobile Carr, who we both we think will be the starter. He was listed as the starter that came out on the depth chart that was posted um, online that um, Joseph Dorte posted on his Twitter page. And so – and Chandler Smith was listed at the backup. But Coach Hogan said during the press conference, there's some co- couple secrets. Then his depth chart isn't 100% right. And he's sure the one that Texas Tech put out isn't 100% accurate as well. And so just those little games that you play, you just wait, kind of see, you see it un- unravel live. And so I can't wait to see who will it be and how will it, how will it play out. Yeah, like we mentioned, a couple of, of- – Surprises is what Dana Hogerson said, uh, trying to hide a few tricks up his sleeve. You know, one of those differences that he mentioned in the depth chart, the, the unofficial depth chart they released on Monday. Uh, just for example, they had QB2 as Sophia Masood, a freshman, but Dana Hogerson said they're going to go with Ike as their number two backup quarterback, which, you know, from what Dana Hogerson has spoke to early in training camp, he was really high on Ike. But it, it, it's just interesting, one of, the, one of the things to see, like how it might not necessarily be um, Seth in terms of their lineup and depth chart, but just looking off that unofficial depth chart, they like you mentioned, they do have running back Chandler Smith as a number two back. But even looking at the wide receivers, they have Kashawn Carter, Keandre Street, and Nathaniel Dell, Jake Herslow. But, you know, one of the players that Clayton Toon mentioned, he was high on a receiver, Kashawn Carter, who Clayton Toon shouted out during Tuesday's availability. Like you mentioned, it's just going back to that excitement for the entire season where there's a lot of uncertainty. And honestly, 
something that Doug Doug said that first season, that first game, rather, the players are just burning to to finally get on the field and finally face someone that isn't themselves like they have been for the past months in practice. But, uh, Dan, before we wrap up this segment, there anything else you wanted to, to end on? No, I, I want to see some of the receivers as well. Like you mentioned, Keandre Street, the red shirt freshman, um, came from the Tyler area. He's a big body receiver, 6'3", 200-something pounds, and a good compliment to Tank Dell, who's more of a more of a he he plays he can play outside, but he's more of a quick elusive receiver that uses quickness and his explosiveness to make plays, kind of like an ally Deshaun Jackson player like that. Coming right up on Pod's time at Jamo, we transition over to talking more about the defense. We have quotes from Doug Belt, the breakdown that he had during his availability on Tuesday, as well as some reaction from Latrell Bankston on why he chose to come to U of H. Coming right up on Pod's time at Jamo, your home, UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continue on here on Pod Slamma Jamma. And it's game week. We're talking football. And it's the other position where we're talking a lot about Clayton Toon, but Tyler Shook, I watched an interview where he pronounced his name and it looks like Shaw, Shaw. It looks kind of funny. It's Tyler <laughs> Shook and he transferred from Oregon and Coach Hogerson talked about him. We'll have that clip right here. Check it out. From what we've heard, I mean, I haven't studied him. I just remember watching him, you know, when he was at uh, Oregon and I think they went to the Fiesta Bowl in 2020. He was their starting quarterback. So you take a uh, you know, he's big, you know, got a big arm, um, you know, starting quarterback in the Pac-12 for Oregon that takes his team to the Fiesta Bowl. He's probably got, you know, quite a bit of ability. So uh, I don't, you know, didn't do me any good to go watch any Oregon film from 2020. I, it's not what that's about. But he comes in and beats out uh, the guy that the Utah State guy that they have a tremendous amount of respect for and, and the kid has a bunch of abilities, played a lot of ball for Coach Wells. So if he goes in and beats somebody, he's probably a pretty good player. You know, you know, just knowing with Sonny's you know, Sonny's he's an air raid guy. I mean, we we, we both are. Um, you know, and, and him and his time at TCU, how much, you know, run game they did at TCU, it, I I don't know how much he's gonna bring that. And so we're gonna like have to kind of figure that out. But you know, Sonny's probably going to line up those receivers, and he's got big old linemen that are going to be able to pass protect, probably going to throw that thing all around. That was University of Houston head coach Dana Holgerson talking a little bit about Dan, correct me if I'm wrong with how you say his last name, Tyler Shook? Yeah, Tyler Shook. 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 Yeah, Shook. like Shook. she said, like, Shook. all Shooks. Yep. <laughs> Shook. Tyler Shook. No, that's interesting. But yeah, like you mentioned from that clip, just the 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 kind of resume that he has coming from the Pac-12 with Oregon leading them to the Pac-12 championship and making that run to the Fiesta Bowl and then coming into Texas Tech and beating out the other quarterback, just the the resume. And I went back and listened to what Doug Belk, the defensive coordinator for the UH Cougars, said on him and and kind of Dana Hongerson touched about it in that clip. They're preparing for an up-tempo offense and really going back to the days of the Big 12, Dana Horvison, when he was at West Virginia, kind of – Yeah, when they played TCU. 
Yep. yep. He's kind nice. of used to seeing teams like that yeah. with the, the up-tempo style of offense. That's something that um, the defense is preparing for. But and specifically when talking about the quarterback, uh, Tyler Shook, Heretek, um, something that Doug Bell talked about, well, he, he kind of seems like a, a pocket quarterback, just the way that he's built. He's described him as a 6'5", 230-pound quarterback. But really, they, they, were, they were not only Belk, but even uh, Deontay Anderson talked a little bit about how he can do like damage with his feet. Exactly. Yeah, his running with, ability. Yeah, like how he has a dual threat. Not only he has a big arm, they, they're expecting him to be able to move around, not just be a statue in the pocket. Um, Doug Bell right. talked about that he can move really well. And so I think they're preparing and, and, and make sure they're going to be disciplined in their rush lanes and not allow him just to get outside the pocket and extend plays and throw to some of those taller receivers that they have out on the outside. Yeah, and we mentioned it just in terms of uh, Doug Bell, what they're anticipating. They're, they're, one of the challenges that he mentioned was, and we kind of touched on it in the last segment, but this is going to be the first time that these players play a real game, like in, in terms of the speed of an NCAA game since for the returning players since last December. And uh, something Clayton Toon, yeah, something Clayton Toon yeah. mentioned on Tuesday where he hasn't gotten hit since that, that game and uh, against Hawaii in the bowl game on Christmas Eve. He hasn't been hit. That's something he's looking forward to. Just you mentioned, you actually, you asked him in terms of what, what helps him get into rhythm, just not only getting that first completion, but he, even getting hit. Uh, that was something that stood out to me. But, uh, Dan, what stood out to you about uh, that quote, Dana Horson talking about the quarterback or anything Doug Buck might have said? Yeah, something that stood out to me that Doug Buck talked about um, – he, he talked about the familiar, familiarity that he had with being with not only with Dan, with um, Coach Hogerson and playing the stack defense, which is what they're playing now. And he talked about um, facing TCU and um, the offensive coordinator, Sonny Dykes, like you mentioned. And I remember when TCU went in that offensive school and they had Trevor Blanket at quarterback even before – and, and they were moving the ball fast and they were making a lot of plays and they were getting it outside. They had some good receiver docks in to come through there and they been my head those running backs. And so I, I think that's what I, I'm expecting that, but they're familiar early on both sides. So it's about which players can make plays. And I remember um, Latrell Banks also doing that um, availability. He talked about coming from Iowa State that he played. He, he said he's played against every offensive lineman on Texas Tech. And he knows their tendencies. So, so that was one of the big things that said to me. So, and he sounded very confident just in, in his ability just to make plays and and how anxious he was just to come out and prove it. And I know we have a clip from him where he talked about why he chose UH. Yeah, for sure. Like you, you perfect segue. Here's Latro Bankson on why he chose to come to the University of Houston. How's it going? Hey, with Houston having two defensive linemen drafted, in the last couple of years, does that play a role in you coming here? And also, does that, like, motivate you to know that you can actually reach to the next level like you just talked about from Houston? Yeah, the big – probably the biggest factor here, just knowing, like like I said, Peyton Turner being the first-round pick, uh, Ed Oliver being the first-round pick. I just believe, like like I said, I just, like just being here and just, like, the culture here and the history of Houston D lineman in the recent years, like I said, I, I believe I can be next set in stone to be one of those guys, you know what I mean? And uh and, and Houston becoming like DLU 
for just for the country and bring and bringing other big name guys here, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, that, that was that was the, the biggest part of me coming here. Honestly, that and Coach Early, the Joe Banks, and speaking about uh, really kind of the impact that UH has done in the past with their defensive linemen you mentioned at Oliver this past season in the 2021 draft, Peyton Turner going in the first round to the Saints. Dayon, what stood out to you when you asked him that? And he kind of uh, gave you a, a good answer that, yeah, that's, that was a factor in him coming to UH. I mean, it, it just makes sense. And that's why I kind of asked the question, man, because I wonder, do, do players and tie players at, at positions look at what programs are having players drafted? And during that recruitment process, I'm sure it's something that the coaches use. Like, hey, you see these players are going. And so – I wanted wanted to hear his answer, see if he actually paid attention to that, and did he use it as inspiration? Because I'm sure he has um, a direct line to Ed Oliver, if you want to call him, because they play the same position on the inside, or maybe even in Peyton Turner. And so, uh, I'm sure I, I, I was sure that that um, that it should play some form of a factor, and it was good to hear him say that. And it really just bodes well into the high standard, what it means to play at Houston. I mean, you see, I saw a graphic. I can't remember the list of schools, but Houston has two defensive linemen. There was more than a lot of SEC schools drafted in the first round. And so and that's big. And Bankston, he, he seems like he's ready to have a breakout year. He's talented, very, very, very confident. He talked a lot about Logan Hall, how – how he really, really loves Logan Hall. He said that he wished he could adopt him as a brother, like he really likes him and loves him that much. And just to have someone like him with NFL talent alongside him, it, he said it, it feels better because he knows the person next to him can get beat his man just like he can, and they can really just wreak havoc. So I'm ready to see the defensive line, if they can kind of take over the game and create an extra possession for the offense and – just make it happen. Just play the run well and not just defend. I mean, just allow a team just to stand back and just pick us apart throughout the air. Yeah, shifting over to some of the other parts on the defense. This, we mentioned how UH is kind of a veteran-led uh, team, especially when you look at the names on offense, whether it's Donovan Mutton, whether it's Deontay Anderson, or even corners, Marcus Jones. But some, something that they brought up to Doug Buck was maybe uh, name a couple of players who aren't, haven't necessarily been with the program for a while, but might end up making plays as the season progresses. And some of them, really, some of the names that he mentioned was Manny Nunnery, who he was really high on. Uh, it seems like he's going to play a lot more linebacker, but even Logan Hall, he mentioned his development and how he could be, he called, he said that Logan Hall could be one of the best players in the country. And obviously when you go to the corners and, and our green Alex Hogan, another, some of the names that Belk mentioned, but Dayon, you were at this availability just based off those names. What were kind of the takeaways that you got from Doug Belk? Man, I like Doug Belk. I don't want to say I know him, but we've had in past and we kind of what's up and kind of chopped it up a little bit. A couple of years when I was doing some um, writing for KPRC, I actually was able to sit down and get a one on one interview with him and talk to, uh, with him at the time. He was a safety coach and just kind of pick his brain a little bit and talk about what it was like for him to come to Houston and work on a um Hogerson. So now he's been um, promoted to associate head coach and defensive coordinator. I think that says a lot, man. I, 
And some of the names that he talked about is Hassan Hippolyte. I, I can't wait mm. to see this kid at safety. I know we mentioned him when he had a very impressive interview, talked about how the game was taken away from him when he was at Colorado and he, he made the wrong mistakes and just how thankful he is to be in a position now to, to play the game of football and actually be a starter. He, he talked about just coming up. He had never played on a scout team because he was always one of the best players. And so I want to see him see if he can, he, he's a kid as I said, from the Houston area, um, What's a high time, if I'm not mistaken? So it's a lot of kids from the Houston area coming back home who were recruited and went somewhere else. We talked about Henry a second ago, but particularly Hassan Hippolyte. I want to see him. I want to see Deontay Anderson at that linebacker spot, another Houston kid. And so I I want to see a lot with the quarterback and the defense on all three levels, all three levels from the corners to the safeties. Hassan Hippolyte, he was a big recruit coming out. And so – that's one name to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned it not only uh, kind of the, the new life that he's found here at Houston, he, he was named the captain. He spoke about how how big that was for him. He called it a, a monumental moment in his life, being selected a, a captain. He kind of described it as being able to earn his stripes at UHF. You, you mentioned the off-the-field issues he had at Colorado. But um, going to what Hassan Hippolyte said about the defensive unit as as a whole, he talked. He says that there's a high sense of confidence with this group, and like we've mentioned, just in terms of the veteran leadership, they feel like they they're at a spot where they can go out there and kind of impose their will a little bit and kind of control the game. That's certainly what they're going to be aiming to do. But uh, we mentioned one of the other names, Deontay Anderson. Uh, same thing, similar to what Clayton Toon said. He he feels very excited about this season. Something that stood out to me from that availability was he said it, it kind of feels like a new beginning for him. Uh, what say you? What do you think about that comment? Yeah, I mean, I will agree because it is kind of is a new beginning. It's a new season. So it means new opportunities. And people only remember what you've done lately. And so now you have the opportunity to stack win after win after win. The people will forget everything that happened in years past. And so it's kind of is like a new beginning. It's a new season with a new opportunity, really, to, to show his potential, particularly with Clayton Toon. How about you? Yeah, uh, for me, I was just interested, like we mentioned, it it kind of uh, a bit of a new chapter after just the the kind of uncertainty and stop and start, stop and start that it was the 2020 season. Uh, They kind of feel like they probably got back a a real season uh, a lot more than it was last year. But like you mentioned, usually every year it's it's the start of a new new chapter for them and their playing career. But it's a lot more difference in significance with just the type of year it was last season. Another thing that he said, um, they asked him how big uh, how big it is or how how helpful it is to start with an opponent uh, to start the season with a high caliber opponent that Texas tech is. And he, he, he agreed. He said, it's a perfect way to show where the UH team stands. Um, Not only did he say that Texas tech was a good team, but he said that he feels that this UH football team is up there as one of the best teams in the state. Dan, what do you have to say about that? You said, he said this Houston, this Houston team is going to be one of the best in the state. Yeah, he said Texas Tech is a great team, but he feels like UH is right up there as well. Yeah, and I actually feel like both uh, Houston and Texas Tech is in similar situations. Both coaches are in their third year. Coach Wells over there is in his third season. Coach Hogerson is in his third season. And I feel like 
it's you look at the scope of things, how Texas is a big school, and you got AM. And I feel like right under that, you got like the TCU. Well, you got Houston first and the TCUs and Baylors and um Texas Tech. And I and I think all of us are like in that bubble trying to make a mark. Who's the next best Texas school all around? And I feel like it's a statement game for both schools. And I think it's it, you know, it's always important with football. You know, other schools like Texas, like Baylor, where they, they just won a championship. So right now we got to crown them. But Houston, we're good. And so, but I think it's a statement game. It's a statement game. W- w- would you agree? With, like, what is a statement game as far as both programs kind of being in, like, in the same place at the same time? Both coaches, third year, third year, going into the third year. Yeah, I absolutely agree, especially for Houston. Like I mentioned at the, at the beginning of the show, just in terms of what this season means when you – honestly, for both programs, especially UH, who for the past several years have been kind of lobbying to get into a Power 5 conference. Texas Tech, obviously, in the Big 12 after what UT and, and Oklahoma did, going joining the SEC. These are kind of programs where they're kind of trying – with this season, they're going to try to show the nation that – Hey, they're not afterthoughts. And like you mentioned, uh, they're in similar situations. I honestly, I just expect to to evenly match teams and hopefully you get a good game on Saturday. Uh, Real quickly, I wanted to go back to Hassan Hippolyte. Like we mentioned, he got um, voted as a captain for the Cougars this season. But one thing that stood out to me, he commented on how he leads the team or how he approaches the leadership. He described it as a Swiss, Swiss army knife. There's a little bit of a, he does a little bit of everything as a leader. If he needs to be vocal, he's not afraid to do it, or he has to lead by example. He'll do it. Um, we'll leave it there for this segment coming right up on Pod Slam the Jamma. This is Dan. We're going to go down the schedule, give our predictions. For those of you follow us on Twitter at Pod Slam the Jamma, we want to hear your conversation over under. We'll go down the entire lineup. What will this UH football team finish our? Preseason predictions coming right up on Pod Slam Jam, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on the Pod Slam Jammer. like Andy just said, it's time to get into our picks. We're going to go through the schedule and look and see which games and predict and give our picks. Andy, I'll let you kick it off. You want to jump it off first? Yeah, let's let's toss it on Saturday's season opener against Texas Tech, Houston Tech. Oh, man, I expect this to be a good game. I expect it to be a close game to come down the wire at NRG Stadium. And – Honestly, I've been – I feel like this is a toss-up, but I'm going I'm to go with UH here. I feel like from what we've seen from the defense, they're a veteran type of defense. I, we've talked about Texas Tech's quarterback. While he, he seems to be uh, – will certainly have a chance to impose his physical athleticism. I feel like UH has the advantage just with the continuity at that defensive um, – on the defensive side of the ball, and then while you look at the offense, while UH has a couple of new faces uh, on the receiving core, they have a lot of veterans with Quentin Toon and the halfbacks, and even the offensive line is a lot more structured than it was last season. I'm going to go Houston to take this first game at NRG Stadium Saturday night. Can I get a score? Ooh, I, I think it's high score. I'm going to say Houston 37, Tech 34. 
Okay. Uh, Tech week one, I got UH. You know what I'm saying? You already know what it is. I got UH. And I'm going to go with just a, a bit higher score, 41-38 UH. 41-38. I love you. Yeah. I, I, I like how we both uh, we both have high-scoring offenses. Yeah. High-scoring offenses. I think um, it's going to be close. I mean, high-scoring in the first half. Defense is going to make the right adjustments, and then they're going to kind of – both players kind of wear down. They say, well, not, not wear down, but the second half with the slowdown, they make adjustments, and that D-line is going to take over the second half, and Houston go score a little bit more points. For sure. And now transitioning over to week two. For the Cougars, the Bayou Bucket Classic, the battle of the Bayou between Houston against Rice. This we game. No, Houston winning that. We're going to win our next two. <laughs> well, yeah. Mark that um, goes up. We're going to beat Rice and then we're going to beat Gramlin. With all due respect, I love how our HBUs are getting more recognition, but we're going to beat oh, Gramlin too. You're, jump, you're jumping ahead for it. Let's go back to Rice. Uh, give me a score prediction for that game. You want to score for Rice? Ooh. Yeah, I think we're gonna pull pull it up, pull out late. I think it's gonna be 31, 31, 21, maybe thirty-one seventeen, something like that. Interesting. I I, yeah. I feel like it'll be much more. Open. I'd say thirty-eight seventeen. UH wins. Um, yeah. And really, this is something that we touched on. We mentioned the folks talking sports. Uh, we went back and we we did this and kind of Chris Gardner from Houston Rambler, you talked about these these next two games. You mentioned Grambling is week three. These mm-hmm. are kind of uh, some games that you should not lose. And honestly, uh, especially here we go, week three, Grambling. This will be the first game at TDCU Stadium for Houston. They'll be celebrating 75 years of Houston athletics. Um, yeah, Grambling, the FCS school. You mentioned you feel that they'll win. Uh, score prediction. Oh, score prediction for that one. Well, one thing we know, we know Grambling will win the halftime show. We know their man is going to be um, coming to play. And so uh, that one is going to get get ugly. It's going to be 42, 42 to 21. Mm, I agree. I have it, I have it at 45 to 17. UH wins. Um, like you mentioned, Gramlin, they have an interesting program, but FCS school, I mean, UH should dominate. A program, a very historic program. For sure. But yeah. Houston should dominate. Now we transition over to week four, the first conference game on the schedule. Right there. Hosting Navy. Now UH beat okay. Navy in Annapolis last week, uh, last year during the 2020 season. Uh, that was a bit of a uh, kind of grinded out game where UH was able to build a huge lead towards the end. And honestly, they kind of completely shut down Navy's triple option offense. Um, Navy's year in terms of success on offense kind of comes and goes. Uh, two years ago in 2019, they were kind of an unstoppable uh, machine. But damn, what do you say with this one? And Navy is always tough, but we're going to be coming high off the off of being undefeated, and so I think it's not going to be a letdown. It's going to be the second consecutive home game at TDECU, and so I think the players are going to be ready. I think that's going to be. Um, we, you want to get scores for all of them? 
Yeah, let's do it. Navy. Houston is going to pull out a close one. This one's going to be 38, 38 to 31. Ooh, I see it. Um, yeah, I agree. I think Houston pulls it out, especially um from what I saw last season. Obviously, there are different teams each year, but like I mentioned before during the uh, the Texas Tech game, just I feel like this defensive unit feels with veterans, especially by this time. They'll be towards the end of September. They'll have three games under their belt. Under their belt, I have a lot more experience and and comfort a level of comfortness with just being able to play. I think um, surprisingly, I don't think this will be a high scoring game. I feel UH wins it, but uh, I'll go 27-17. Uh, UH pulls ahead yeah. in front of Navy. I was thinking, re- trying to rethink my score too. Yeah, and I, and I was thinking it's not going to be a high scoring game. Maybe 31-17 is my score. 31-17. Houston's going to score like a late touchdown to get that 31-17. So, here we are. Let's, we're four games in, and we both have UH undefeated. Um, this is interesting. I think that Texas Tech game, the first game of the season, will be... Are we just being fans? Or are we being realistic? No, I think it's realistic. Here's, I say that the first game of the season, Texas Tech, will be... That's a pick game. Yeah, I feel like that's a toss-up just in terms of new, new season, the atmosphere in RG Stadium. It'll be a big game. Uh, I will say this is something that Dana Hogerson mentioned. That's uh, that turnaround from Tech to Rice. Hogerson mentioned how that potentially could be a trap game just in terms of being the high of the first game of the season, the opponent, who they're playing, regardless of the outcome of whatever happens against Texas Tech. It might be an uh, uh, interesting turnaround. But like we mentioned, um, I could I could see that Texas Tech game being an outcome, but these other three games, I expect them to win. I think UH is at a point where they shouldn't be expected to win those games. I agree. I suspect him to win, too. We're just continuing on. Who we got next? Tulsa. What you think about Tulsa? Yeah, the first game in October, a Friday night game. Uh, it'll be interesting. Um, just in terms of the season Tulsa had last year, we're able to get into the American Athletic Conference championship game uh, after the loss to Cincinnati. But uh, in Tulsa, you know what? I think this is where their undefeated season ends right here. First game in October, I say Tulsa uh, wins wins a uh, tough one. I say Tulsa twenty eight, UH thirty four. Mm. See, are you high on Tulsa? Or you think what? What do you think it is? You know, I just think uh, in terms of where the schedule is, though. A road game, uh, a bit of a struggle in terms of what Tulsa was able to put together last season. Mm-hmm. I just think it's one of those games where, you know, sometimes you just don't have it in Oklahoma. It's a bit of a tough place to, to play. And when you look at the history in the past between UH and Tulsa, those games in Oklahoma always seem to be interesting ones. Yeah, at Tulsa, I got, I got UH putting out a close one. This one is going to be on ESPN. And so this is going to be the bright lights on Houston. And so still undefeated. Since Cincinnati, I predict it's still going to be undefeated at this point. And so it's going to be a lot of talk around. Can these two mid-level teams meet in the ACC conference? And with Cincinnati having a tough schedule that they have, if they go undefeated, Houston go undefeated and meet. it would be a lot. it would be some good conversation going on. I got Houston beating Tulsa. Did you, what, what, what do you have for the score? Score 34 37. So, you, you got them 5 and 0. So we transition out here. 
We turn around Thursday night games. They play Tulsa on Friday. I turn around, play a Thursday night game uh, against Tulane. It's scheduled to be at Tulane, obviously. Uh, it's a tough game right here. This yeah, is the game that scares me. Turn around, and we're not entirely sure where the game will be. If it will still be in New Orleans, I think. Right, um, right. With the with the hurricane season, well, no, that's a good point. But I can send our thoughts and our prayers to the people who have been affected by the storm out there in Louisiana as well. Yeah, for sure. You've seen the the, the footage that's come out. We had a lot of people from New Orleans come over, and even Tulane be affected where they've postponed classes for two weeks. They've had a, I'm not sure how, how big of a group that came to Houston um, from Tulane. So, as you mentioned, every time a, a natural disaster comes, we obviously experience it firsthand not too many years ago with Harvey. It's always, you know, unfortunate circumstances. And hopefully the city of New Orleans is able to, to bounce back quick. But going back to the football field with Tulane, I can mention, not entirely sure where this game will be held. Uh, a quick turnaround from a Friday night game to Thursday night game. Damn, you said this is the game that, that you're kind of nervous about. What do you what do you got? Yeah, this is what I'm nervous about because I really, really like their quarterback. Michael Pratt was um, inserted in, into the season a season ago, and he played well. He, he He's a freshman last year, so I think that, you know, he still gets the year back, so he still may be considered a freshman. But I really like Michael Pratt. It can really throw the ball all over the yard and Louisiana, it's it, wherever that game may be played. I just like, I like that coach down there as well. Um, he, he's really good. That's going to be a tough one right here. I think this one is going to be a low scoring game. UH pulled this one out. This one is going to be 24 21, another three point game, another three point game that they're going to pull out on the road. I think. Clayton is going to have to put together a last-second drive. But this one is a tough one because I really like that quarterback over there, Michael Pratt. Yeah, you mentioned Michael Pratt, the head coach, Willie Fritz. This is a team last year where UH had the season opener in 2020 against Tulane, and they they fell to a 24-0 hole, had to rally just to – it was a good rally. They were able to get back by halftime, but – to overcome a 24-point deficit, obviously a lot of different circumstances just where um, where these teams will stand. They'll be a month into the season as opposed to UH will only be playing their first game like they did a season ago. Um, but I'm with you. I feel like this will be another tricky game. On my scenario, I have them losing Tulsa. I see them bouncing back and winning That's against okay. Tulane. Okay. And uh, I agree with you where it'll be a low-scoring game, though, and it, it'll be one of those grinded-out games I see. Um, UH winning 28-25. And like you mentioned, I, I feel like one of these two games, at Tulsa, at Tulane, a bit of a, a kind of a tough stretch, um, a six-game window. I believe if you go back to the Navy game, that's about a three games and about an 18-game stretch. That might pile up that certainly – uh, one portion of the schedule, well, it'll be kind of rough. Uh, following the two-lane game, they have their bye week. Then coming off the bye, October 23rd, back at TDCU Stadium against East Carolina, their homecoming game. Uh, I'll, let me take it right off the bat. I think UH wins this one, and they win it big. I have them winning 51-21. to 21. That's a win. You that's, quick. that's sweet. That's a win, and we're going to blow. That's a blowout. That's a blowout. I mean, homecoming, that's coming week two. Homecoming is going to be lit. We're going to be undefeated. 
we're gonna put about 40, about 40, 45 points on them, about 45 to uh 17. You gotta make that we're gonna, we're gonna, we go. Put it on East Carolina. Seven. Um a week later, they are final game in October, Saturday, October 30th, again at TD's Hill Stadium. I guess conference opponent SMU, another interstate rival. Um, UH has struggled. They haven't been able to beat SMU the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, I need Dyke's head coach over there. Now they no longer have Shane Pucal as their quarterback. That, that'll that be a big factor. But they got uh, the quarterback that transferred from Oklahoma. Right. Right, and he was just named at the, as their starter. And so I'm anxious to see how he looks. Shane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanner Mordecai. Yeah, good name. <laughs> uh, and they got some receivers over there coming back too. They got uh, Reggie Robertson. He got hurt last year. He's really good. They also got Delano Robertson, who is really good as well. And I really like what that um, head coach Sonny Dykes and the SM, SMU is doing over there. They're, I think that's going to be. I, I, I think we're going to win, but that's going to be one of the closest games right there. Mm-hmm. I think SMU may may be undefeated at this point too. Let me, let me look at their schedule real quick, but because they they got some really good coaches over there. Rashad Samples, he, he's one of the most popular coaches right now as far as recruiting associate head coach. He's getting he's getting a lot of that Dallas talent that's going to some of these big schools. He's keeping it at home, and he knows how to get some of the um, young talent that, that no one may know because he got a good relationship with the high school. And so this SMU, whew. Yeah, looking at their schedule, I could very well see them, if not being undefeated, maybe only one loss on their non-conference schedule, Abilene Christian, UNT, Louisiana Tech. I, I, I envision them winning those games. Uh, the tough one at Texas Christian. That might be they've lost. Yeah, TCU. But then you look at the conference games they had, South Florida, Navy, Tulane. Yeah, so maybe one loss for them, and they're and they going to so – and we're going to be undefeated. So they're going to be looking to get back. I think ESPN might pick this game up most likely. Uh, it's not slated to be on there right now. But um, I got 31 31 24, Houston. You got them eight and oh, damn. I'm gonna I'm have to say this is a loss just in terms of they haven't been able to figure out SMU until, until they do. I, I got to pick SMU. I think SMU wins. Uh, I think this will be a high scoring game 44 to 38. SMU wins. Uh, going over to the next week, first game in November at, at South Florida in Tampa. Against USF, I think this will be a, a pretty dominant win for UH, especially after what they did to them uh, last season. UH, just, US, USF looked completely lost in that game, and um, honestly, it, it was never ever any. It was honestly, it was never really any close. So I think UH wins this one by a big margin. I'll go forty-one. No, I'll go forty-two. UH USF twenty-four. I'll tell you. I think this is where the up is right here. Ooh. I think this is where the uh, this is going to be that sleeper game. They know how they did them last year. I, I I hope I'm wrong. Oh, I hope I'm wrong. But I think this is the upset uh-huh. where some tricky happens. Some I don't know. But I hope I'm wrong. I'm not going to wood. But just something Ooh. is telling me 
this is the type of games to where just something, you know, they might not be playing for much at that point of their season, just depending on the record. And so it'll be the biggest game of their season if we come in there undefeated. And I think it'll be a tricky game. I, I'm thinking something like 41-44. I think they might get like a late field goal or something to to maybe try to upset us. That's the one I'm really worried about that one. That That's the upset that I got on my schedule. Interesting. Tampa, USF, that would be, especially if they're undefeated, that would be a brutal loss. So there we go. Transitioning next week. They're still on the road at Philadelphia against Temple. Uh, I see this as a win for UH. I don't see them losing to Temple. And similar to USF, I see this as a dominant win for the Cougars. I'm going to go 40. I'm going to go 45 to 24 UH wins. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I got UH a big 41-20. Got it. So just to do a pause check here, you have UH at 9-1, 10 games in. I have them at 8-2. So we transition over to the final conference game of the season, uh, November 19th of Friday will be UH at TDCU Stadium, UH's senior day against Memphis, who, similar to SMU, they've given them problems the past couple of seasons. And, I mean, just dating back to last year, UH was kind of struggling. They fell behind by a large margin, rallied to tie the game, and then ended up losing at the very end to a field goal. Um, these games are tricky, but similar to Memphis, they lost their quarterback, their starting quarterback from a season ago. I think UH pulls through. I think they beat Memphis it, at TDCU senior night to go 9-2. and two. Um, I had UH winning that game, another high-scoring game, 42-35. Yeah, I got Houston winning that one. I think that's going to be a high-scoring game. Memphis is always tough. I really like their offense. I really like their athletes that they always come with. They're always a, a really good, well-coached team. I think that's a win, senior night, and Houston is going to crack up 50. We're going to score 50 on this game. It's going to be 52 to 41. UH wins to make them 10 and 1. So that is an interesting stretch. Then they end the season. This is a bit of an odd game. They end the season with a non conference game. At UConn at 11 in the morning, Houston time. That is, you see right here now, UConn is notoriously not a football school. They're obviously much more known for their basketball program. But I don't know, this this could be a, a trap game just after Thanksgiving. Uh, coming off, conference schedule is over. Have to travel to Connecticut and wake up early for this game. Oh, I think UH pulls and wins a game to finish at 10 and 2. Um, but I think this will be a much more difficult game than it looks on paper. I'm gonna say UH pulls through another low scoring affair 27-24 UH. UH another win against UConn. This one is gonna be Clayton Tune is gonna um ha- have a big year. Have a big year and this is gonna cap it off. With the win, uh, it's going to be a tough game. Going traveling to the East Coast, you know the time goes back, and it's going to be early, like you mentioned. So, low scoring game. This one's going to usually age twenty four. UConn twenty. 
24-20. So you have UH finishing 11-1 on the season, 7-1 against the American Athletic Conference. I had them going 6-2 against the American Athletic Conference and finishing 10-2 overall. So we we have them high. We Especially we've mentioned in the past in terms of strength of uh, the strength of schedule. Um, actually, it is one of the, the weakest schedules uh, across the country. So certainly I agree. I don't feel like we're too high on – on UH, certainly when you look at the schedule, the way it's broken out, it's like schedule, it's like if you can't win these games, then it's going to be a lot of questions being asked. About yeah. Coaches, yeah, yeah, exactly. Something we mentioned. Um, say say they don't get. We both have them winning double digit games, which it might be considered a bit a bit optimistic. What right. number do you say they have to win for Dana Overson to to be comfortable with his job? Do you, do, you, do you put uh, eight, it at eight? Eight or more. Eight or, eight or more. The schedule screams 10 to me, but eight, eight or more. The schedule screams 10, but at least eight. Really, you really need to get double digits. She already um President um President Raina, Dr. Raina Couture said that eight wins. She ain't her she she said that in her mouth. That ain't good here at Houston. And so <laughs> no, I take that back. Ten wins. We need you need double digit wins with this schedule. And yeah. you know, we, just looking at Clayton's career as well. I know we didn't mention this, but I was thinking earlier on how sometimes he gets nicked up. So say what if he gets hurt, that backup quarterback. I remember you mentioned it earlier on how on the depth chart it says um the other kid's name. I, so, yeah, oh, yeah, and they have. That's I was gonna say, <laughs> my bad, I keep cutting y'all. I was gonna say, <laughs> they have uh, Dana Hogerson said they have Ike, uh, I, I don't want to butcher his last name, Ogbog, who has backup. Yeah, and, but on the on the depth chart, they have, um, that they don't have Ike listed as the number two quarterback, they actually have they have Sophia Masood as the number two in the unofficial depth chart, but that's something that Hogerson said wasn't right. So but we'll see how it goes. Like you mentioned, an injury to Tune kind of sets this team back. Not going to but that's always – I was thinking that earlier. It's always putting a position like who you have backing up, and he's a junior. And so you never know, but I, I'm predicting Clayton Tune have a big year. I feel like Houston will have a big year, and they'll take care of business. So there, there you have it. You mentioned Renew Couture. She said they fire coaches at UH at 8-4. and four. Uh, since then, a bit of a, a bad staff for Holgerson, but obviously different circumstances with the first year, which with the Eric King redshirting and, and the, the first year, and then obviously 2020 with COVID. But it's something that Dana Holgerson acknowledged the first availability he had with reporters, how you know, the pressure's on to win games. And you mentioned good source that they fire coach at UH for at eight and four in the past two seasons combined. Dana Holgerson has only won seven games, went four and eight his first season. Three and five last year, so the pressure's on. He's starting to feel the, the seat should be heating up. Like we mentioned with the schedule, they have, they have one of the worst. They have one of the least toughest schedules in terms of strength of schedule. When you look at that aspect in the country, not just in the American, in the entire country. So certainly, with his position to win a lot of games, like you mentioned, we both have them. I have them at ten and two, finishing six and two in conference. You have them finishing eleven and one, uh, seven and one in conference. Uh, real quickly, you'd imagine if they do meet Cincinnati in the American Athletic Conference Championship game, who would you have winning that game and why? 
Whew. I'm, uh, I'm going straight fan on this one. Uh, oh, and me says Cougar's going to win it. I'm, I'm not going to be objective. I'm not going to talk things since because I think Cincinnati is a really, really good football team. I like Desmond Ritter over there, what he's doing, that quarterback, the senior now. He's played a lot of football. He's a dual threat. I love their coach, um, Coach Fickle, if I'm not mistaken. He's really good. They got a lot, a lot of talent. And I really, really like that program, that football team, what they're doing. And so if they're undefeated, if they get through the gauntlet schedule that they have, they got Notre Dame on that schedule. Um, I believe they also um, play another game, if I'm not mistaken, Indiana. They got Indiana on their schedule. Well, it's another football team that's good. So there's two teams there. Well, Notre Dame is an independent school, but they play with nothing but power five. So it's kind of considered yeah. like a, a ranked school per se. Indiana's in the big 10. So, man, I think it'd be good. UH, I got UH, baby, all the way. Go Cougs, go Cougs, score 45 to 44. That game against Notre Dame, you mentioned there, there Notre Dame is known for, I mean, last year, part of the COVID schedule, they kind of were able to play, uh, their, were able to play conference with the ACC. Yeah. Um, but in looking at Cincinnati's American Athletic Conference schedule, the biggest game will be October 16 against UCF, just in terms of those games always end up going down the wire. But I could totally be, I could see them being in a similar position where they're seven and one in conference play um, at the end of the season. So it certainly seems like Cincinnati is poised to get back to that American Athletic Conference championship game. And, and they're obviously going to be uh, motivated just in terms of. It was a good season they had last year. For much of the season, they were ranked in the top 10 in the AP polls. And even in the college football polls, they were ranked high up there. And they're trying to make noise. They're trying to become one of those first group of five schools to make it into college football playoff, the football, college yep. football playoff. So um, just, just imagine if they go undefeated and Houston goes undefeated and they both meet in the American Athletic Conference. Although our schedule is weak, but if we can be able to beat them from the schedule that they've played. Yeah, you know? undefeated versus undefeated, it's always – it doesn't matter what the schedule is. Right, it'd be play it'd, a 12-game schedule. Yeah, to play a 12-game schedule is always tough, especially with upsets. Um, you know, some days are much more struggles, but – that's going to do it for our show. So once again, I have UH going 10 and 2. Dayon has him going 11 and 1. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Aionis underscore 5. Follow us at Pod Jamma at, like you see it in the description on the podcast, at Pod Jamma. That's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, be sure to follow Apollo Media. We uh, will be in the building. We are credentials for the season. We will be stepping up our coverage all year long, not only once football season starts, which it's Saturday, we're here. But when it transitions towards the men's basketball season in November and same with women's basketball, we will be there to provide your coverage here with Apollo Media and Pod Slam and Jamma, so you don't want to miss it. That's Follow us everywhere at Apollo Media on that's at Apollo HOU on Twitter. That's Pod Simon Jam on Twitter. Make sure to subscribe. Dayon, close it out. Yeah, make sure you follow us. Like Andy just said, we're going to have a lot more content. We're going to be active. We're going to be outside, like people say. And so be sure to follow us. Follow me at Dayon Dunlap. That's at D A Y O N D U N L A P. 
And also be sure to follow Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content now found anywhere else. From Houston podcasts, Astros podcasts, Texans, Cougars, you name it. Apollo is, is the place to be. Go Cougs. Can't wait to, for the outcome Saturday. Yeah, we're I'm pumped. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday. I wish it was Saturday already. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pod Slime Jamma covering your University of Houston Cougs.